And welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Trip Mitchell, joined as always by Randall Carlisle from the Odyssey House. Good to be here. And, I'm excited. Uh, well, <clears throat> I just want to say we have a very handsome guest here That's... who got the memo on dressing up for television. I know, but we missed it. I you should have told us, Brian. Right, yeah. Now, are you old enough to remember Randall on TV? Yes. He always dressed. That nice. makes him pretty old. Yeah, I was <laughs> he always dressed very nicely. Yes, he did. He had a lot of nice suits. Yes, we were just discussing. And you've dressed up nicely, so I'll go ahead and have Randall introduce you. He is one of our Odyssey House residential clients at at a place we call Mill Creek. Brian Mercier, right? Yes. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. It's spelled like French. It should be Mercier, but Mercier, Mercier. French way. Mercier. Okay. And you've been in our program for how long? Uh, this time around, I'm, I've been there for two months. You see what he just said, and that's so indicative. What, one of the points of this program is to understand the disease of addiction, and part of the, the disease of addiction is relapse. And he's, this is his second time around at Odyssey. Maybe you could go into how you got in the first time, how you got out, what happened, got you back in. Well, uh, last time, the first time I went to Odyssey House, um, my wife had passed away from stage two breast cancer, Ooh. and um, I really went downhill, and I started using the drugs real bad, and ended up... By the way, Brian, how old were you, and how old was she at the time? Uh, I, I was 40, 41 at the time, and she was 45. So that had to be devastating. Yes, it was pretty devastating. I, uh, I started using drugs real bad, and ended up down at the Rio Grande, uh, what they call the block. And I was using heroin really bad, and, and uh, just one day, I, 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 before I ended up dead from an overdose on the street, I said, I need to get some help. And there was a gentleman by the name, uh, I can't remember his name, but he was down on the block doing the needle exchange, and uh, I asked him, where can I go to get some help? And he mentioned Odyssey House, so I, I went down to the Odyssey Admissions Building. And, and did that take a lot of courage? Yeah, it, kind of, it did. And uh, they, they said, uh, you need to get sober. Um, I had some warrants at the time, so I went and turned myself into jail. And uh, I took care of my warrants first, and I ended up in uh, the CATS program. And uh, I graduated the CATS program, and they sent me up with the Odyssey House as my aftercare. And I was there in Odyssey the first time for five months. So when you were in jail, first of all, you went down and, and turned yourself in. Yeah. And how much jail time did you have in total? Had, well, they sentenced me to 180 days in CATS, early release upon completion. So um, We should explain, CATS is a program in the Salt Lake County Jail that is run by Odyssey. And I'm trying to think what it stands for, Criminal Addictive Treatment Services or something like yeah. that. And, and what it is, is there's a, there are separate pods where people just in the CATS program at the jail go through basically the same things that people go through in our residential programs outside the jail. And it's a three-month program. Yeah, and at the Oxbow. Yeah, at, at, the, at, the, Oxbow. at the Oxbow Jail. And, and is that easier time when you're in a program like that? Yeah, it's easier time because you have something to do all day. You have the pro uh, programs to do rather than just sit in your cell and daydream or, or read books. But yeah, it makes your time go by quicker. And the other kind of amazing thing is that you have a skill set when you get out yes. that will prevent you from going back theoretically. Exactly, yeah. And, and the other inmates you're with 
are just people in the CATS program. So yeah. you're not in general population where yeah. all sorts of things are going on. So everybody there is uh, trying to get their, their heads on straight in the addiction recovery. So, so well, you get out of CATS, and you, so you're back. What happened after that? I, I went from straight from the jail down to the Odyssey Admissions Building and self-admitted <laughs> myself into uh, Odyssey House. That had to be a great feeling. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I felt that cats wasn't enough treatment for me, and then I didn't have no place to go. Also, so you know, I figured to admit myself into cats and get some better treatment would be the wise thing to do. Did you feel like you had a pretty good head start compared with someone who normally goes to Odyssey, who maybe has not had any? Uh, yeah. Well, um, cats. Being that I was in a cats, it has this kind of the same kind of levels as Odyssey House, so. There's a lingo that we use at Odyssey House yeah. that until you've been to Odyssey House, you, you don't understand. The first couple of, when I started working there, the first couple of groups I sat in on, I'm listening to everybody talk and they're, they're using words like breaker and, 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 and the different levels because when you go in, there's like, what, four Stru or five different levels? Yeah, your structure. You go start with orientation and compass, compassing your disco and navigator and then Voyager. So he would have had an advantage because you would have heard of that in the CATS program. Yeah, I made it to Voyager last time. And this time I'm hoping to make it to graduate. So, so, so that was your first time through. First what, time how through. Did, you, did you walk out or did they throw you out? Well, or no, I, 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 uh, I was what you call LACA, leaving against clinical advice. I kind of um, I went LACA just before, you know, two, three more months I would have graduated. But I ended up relapsing, going lock and relapsing. But, and that, which so if you hadn't happens. walked out, you think the relapse wouldn't have happened? No, it wouldn't happen. But I would have went to transitional housing. And, and what was your thought? Just you're, you're thinking to yourself, and just, I'm in the same boat. I've relapsed numerous times. Yeah. And So have that, I. Yeah, that thinking that, in my case, you know, what's, what could go wrong if I have a beer? Yeah. That's what and the answer is many things. But, many things, yes. But in your case, what was the thought process when you said, hey, I'm getting out of here? Because well, going lock is a pretty big deal. Yeah, I just, I was excited just getting out and going home and being around old friends, you know. And that was, that's what was my problem. My old friends, they drank. And I, did, I started up drinking first and they, they, they were drinkers and that which led me to, um, to relapse on heroin. Which was and one of the things, as you know about addiction, is that you can't stop with one. No. No, not at all. And a lot of people... One beer, one shot of heroin, then, yeah. then I'm done. Then yeah. I'm done, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that ability does not seem to be part of her. And people look at marijuana as being a very harmless drug. And for many people... A lot people, of people do. And that's a mistake. Yeah. I think it is. Um, especially uh, what they call dab or whatever, stuff like that, you know. I think they're kind of hypocritical. They, they judge other people that use drugs, but while they're using drugs, or that the marijuana or the dab, it's kind of hypocritical to me. You know? Yeah, and, and the best advice is you've got to cut everything. Everything, yeah. And I was joking with Randall on the phone that if I, uh, I'm trying to avoid as much sugar as possible, that first cookie, <laughs> literally after dinner, leads to more. Now, not the most serious thing in the world, but it's funny, if you don't have that first one, you don't have to worry about well, the next one. That's kind of my addiction now is cooking and sweets and Odyssey because there's a lot of cookies. <laughs> I just have one. But better that than heroin. Exactly. Yeah. I had uh, I was lucky enough to do a TV show with a, 
a heart surgeon over in Hawaii, and she always said that sugar is the most addictive drug of any. Oh, hmm. And it, it's funny, but when you have that in your system, so you relapse, relapse. When did you know you were in serious trouble during your well, relapse? Was it uh, pretty quick? Uh, well, I ended up, you know, going to work on drugs, you know, high, and ended up getting suspended from work for a while, and then lost my place to live, and I'm sitting out on the street in the cold, and I'm and sticking a needle in my arm and not wanting to live, and I just said, you know what, I need to go get some help. And I went to Damon, that's his name, I remember his name, Damon, which is with Odyssey, Damon, sure. at, at, the, sure. at the needle exchange, and said, Damon, I need some help, and he set me up with Odyssey again. So. Cool. And you've been in for how long? Two months now. Two months. So, we, in talking prior to the show, you mentioned that, and it's kind of contrary to what you would think, that finding drugs inside jail is not hard to do. No, no, it's not hard to do. Um, a lot of people, uh, probably 75% of the people that go into jail are addicts. and are 75%? Yeah, that go in are addicts. I would believe that. Yeah, That's an astounding uh, number. Yeah, and they... Because uh, the crimes are fueled while you're high or for searching for breaking into a house to steal something so you can cash it in for money exactly. so you can buy drugs. They're you all know, so literally, if we could solve addiction, which we're not going to do in the near... <laughs> that That is... that, But literally, the crime problem that we have, not only here in Salt Lake and Utah, nationwide, could be changed. It's down, yeah. It's, it's quite high, but... Yeah, so a lot of a lot of people that go in are they're addicted to the drugs real bad, and, and, and they, they can smuggle it in real easy just by swallowing it, which a lot of it gets. In describe there. that. I mean, okay, without getting too gross. What I mean. Well, so I'm I'm going to visit the Salt Lake County Jail. Yeah, um, they 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 sell them in the little plastic things are uh, ten or twenty dollars worth. They wrap them up in plastic. They seal them airtight. And they just pop them in their mouth and swallow them if the cops come, which they, they swallow them and they end up going to jail. And they, they, they sit on the toilet and they'll poop and they'll, they'll dig them out of their feces and sell them to the inmates for commissary, you know. How much, like a... They'll, they'll take $20 worth and make $100, $100 off of it, just a little $20 chunk, $100 a commissary. And, and that'll get you high for how long? Oh, well... Maybe two two times, on twenty keep you well for a day or day and a half. <laughs> and uh, how much drugs is going on in jail? I mean, would you say that? So, of the inmate community, seventy five percent are addicts. Yeah. How many during a given day would be high in in jail? <laughs> there there'll be about ten, at least ten people that come in with drugs. Every day. Every day. And then they're, and they, they they're go to, pooping out the drugs. And yeah, they go to quarantine first. Uh, quarantine is where they they send them so they can withdraw off their drugs. Right. And quarantine is the best place to get all the drugs. Is that's because that's where they're all going. <laughs> that's it. so. Where if if twenty dollars worth of product is sold for fifty or a hundred dollars in jail, where do the other people in jail get that kind of money to buy the drugs? They have people put their money on their books, or they have the people put money on the person that's got the drugs books. So they'll have it to buy a commissary. So they'll get on the phone with their, their people on the outside and say, hey, will you put money on this person's books? And they'll say, okay, I own money. And so no money is exchanged there, but the but person in jail knows that he's 
that was put on his books and then gives you the yeah. drugs. Explain yeah. how the commissary works for folks who have never had anyone in jail or no experience. Well, you, you have money on your books. They, they have a commissary list where you can get uh, sweets, uh, soups, crackers, cheese, cheese whiz, stuff like that. And and like a soup is a, a dollar. You get candy bars for $1.20. It's where it costs more than a soup, but... Yeah, they, it's where they can. They're limited, like uh, they're limited in each. So they sell cigarettes. Each pod, yeah. No, they don't sell cigarettes. No. So there are no cigarettes at all in jail. No, no cigarettes. That has to be a very tough adjustment. If there's for a will, there's a way. There's a lot of chewing tobacco gets in there, and it usually gets in there by somebody that works for the jail. Gosh, I, this it's a little discouraging. I mean, one would yeah. think that you could limit that. You would think there'd be better control behind bars, but you're talking about a huge population, you know, yeah. with a limited number of corrections officers. So you were in a, your time in jail because of the fact you're associated with Odyssey House. You didn't mix with the general population. That had to make going to sleep at night a little safer. A lot easier, yeah, yeah, because I wasn't in the same. Because um, Oxbow Jails is about a block and a half up from the actual main jail. So that's where they send everybody that's in the cash program is the Oxbow. So very, very people don't get drugs into that one. Okay, and the, the pods are, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's like you're not in cells. It's like... Uh, they hold 48 people. Yeah, it's a two it's bar. a two level place with like beds going around in sort of like a half eight circle. Per, per little cell, there's eight, eight bed cells. Okay, so it it, it is... Sounds like an amazing program because it gives you the skill set when you get out. Yeah, to really minimize your chance of going back in. But the number that just throws me off, Randall, seventy-five percent of you know. I don't know if they're all if they're all addicts, but but I would say that that percentage of crimes is fueled by addiction or you know a crime involving the sale of or the or the. And, uh, and obtaining the drugs. And know. alcohol is a big part of it. Sure, I mean, you sure. look at at a number of different crimes that just every day when you read the the uh, website, well, crimes are fueled by alcohol. Domestic violence situations are almost always fueled by somebody who's high on either booze or drugs. Alcohol or drugs, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, every time you read it, like a SWAT standoff, it's almost uh, the person in the stand, involved in the standoff is almost always high on something. Because it's not normal to want to uh, commit suicide by cop, you know. And, that and, happens and, a lot, too. Yeah. Fueled by drugs and alcohol. Yeah. I mean, an average person doesn't sit there and say, okay, I'm going to beat up my wife or my husband or whatever, and then I'm going to barricade myself in a house with a gun and fire at officers, knowing full well what the end result could be, you know. And so when you're high, you're more likely to do something like yeah. that. A lot of people do that, yeah. fueled by drugs. Yeah, and it's incredible. So if you're watching at home and you have someone in your family, friends, who you think is behaving a little bit strangely, has some challenges, maybe the stories don't all that add up, there's a number to call, and it's right here at the bottom of the screen, and that's Odyssey House. And Odyssey House, Randall, you're lucky enough to work there, has some amazing programs, but most important, it'll be someone to talk to. Exactly. And, and, and this isn't just to talk about Odyssey House. I mean, it's, Odyssey House doesn't work for everyone, right? I mean, it's a know, tough, tough program. It, it's a tough program. It's the toughest but, out there. There are other programs, but 
It's the toughest program. But, but if you make it through Odyssey House, I've heard a lot of people say if if you can make it through Odyssey's residential program and graduate or complete and hopefully graduate, you can do anything in life. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I, I've been sober for six and a half going on seven years, and I, I it would be it, I see the program, I get to, I know the people, I know the rules, and it, it would be very difficult for me to get through it because I would fight some of the rules. You know, it's hard. It's it's hard not to, but it is what you make it. If you go in there fully wanting to get sober and get well and do the program correctly, you can get get through real easy. Well, it's interesting that talking about relapse, and that is a big part of a lot of addicts' lives. And one of the great things about the addiction community is the fact that they will take you back. You don't yeah. have to be embarrassed because it is something that a lot of people do. There are a lot of people who get sober the first time, get off drugs, and never go back. But they're probably not in the majority. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, there's there's a lot of people in there, staff that you get attached to. And this time when I went back, they were there with their arms open, gave me a big hug. And, and they were glad that I was there. I mean, I lost 50 pounds just in six months. I was out, you know, on the streets there. So they, not were, a, they, did, they barely recognized me, but they were there with their arms open, gave me a big hug. and That had to be a great feeling. It was a good feeling. The recovery yeah. community is a, is a huge community. In, you know, when you combine, like, people who have completed programs at Odyssey and the other treatment centers and um, AA people, uh, and, there, and then there's so many supportive groups that have formed, and generally they are comprised of people who are in recovery. Uh, expensive table here you have for the yeah, set here. I, I know. We, uh, the piece of gum that was holding it on unfortunately calcified, so it's not here any longer. Like he was talking about the needle exchange, the, the syringe exchange, uh, and there's a, there's a group that is just dedicated to that, uh, and they set up in different places every week. Yeah, there's, there's several people that, it's called their labor of love. It's their when they're in the last level Odyssey House, they'll do their label, labor of love and go downtown and, and do the needle exchange and, and go around and pick up syringes and paraphernalia off the ground and, and just help the community down there, try to help some people get it, it, It's part of a, a concept, and I had trouble grasping this at first. It, it's called harm reduction. And it's, it's, it basically is saying, okay, there are going to be people who are addicted and, and staying on drugs out there. And should they die on the street with a dirty needle or getting hepatitis or, or whatever? Uh, and if they are going to be out there, is there something we can do to keep them more healthy and alive? And a lot of people, it, it upsets a lot of people that, that you go out there and you give an addict fresh needles to continue their addiction. Uh, but if you take the choice, us as human beings, if you take the choice of that, or saying, well, okay, you're an addict, so, so you should die from AIDS or, or hepatitis or whatever. You know, the, the human approach is to say, here's some clean needles. We're not encouraging you to be... Well, and the other thing is, there are certain people in law enforcement, not in this state, thank God, who would prevent their deputies from carrying Narcan yeah. around. And it was a judgmental kind of a philosophy that those people aren't worth saving which right. is they're going to die of an overdose let them die exactly yeah. and and just and you see it Randall you see it I've seen it where people come back from the edge and that edge is 
I mean, they're close to death. And it's a good thing with the needle exchange. They did. They do give you Narcan if you see some. Because I've 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 uh, helped a couple of people who are OD'd with Narcan and saved their life. And they're on the block. So tell me about that. What happened? Well, um, I was just, just happened to walk down walk down the sidewalk where everybody sleeps up by the fence, and I seen an individual that was just laying there purple. His face was purple, he was pale, and he wasn't breathing. And so I reached in and got my little pack, care package they give you the needle exchange and got my Narcan and injected it into his knee. Took, took two, two, two injections before I came back, but I brought him back to life. Wow. Why his knee? Well, you want to go in a good place with, mu with muscle. Oh, I so, see. So it'll, it'll get into your body a lot quicker in your bloodstream. And that had to be an amazing experience. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Is that individual around now? Do you yeah, know? he's still alive. He thanked me, and he, he got clean right after that. He never used drugs ever since after that. Wow. It scared the crap out of him. <laughs> there's, a, there's a group called Utah Naloxone, uh, headed up by uh, a, a doctor, Dr. Jennifer Plum, who has been instrumental in getting almost every She was group. on the 60 Minutes. Yeah, she was on 60 Minutes. I know her very well. and she's, uh, She works up at Primary Children's an emergency room pediatric doctor, and she has persuaded almost every emergency responder and every police department to come equipped with naloxone. And uh, it's saving so many lives. As a matter of fact, last year was the first year we had a decrease in opioid deaths. Uh, we've been ranked in the top 10 for years now, and, yeah. we, and we dropped a few notches. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's because of that. Yeah. Well, that is fabulous, and, and the thing you don't understand, what's, what's really cool is what he just said, is because I've talked to some other people in our program, is that people who are heroin addicts will carry that around, not for themselves, because they can't use it if they're, if they're over, <laughs> overdosing, but to save some of their buddies, because people hang out and do that together. Yeah. A lot of people down there do. They hang out in groups. It's just it's crazy how many people do it. Is that changed demonstrably with kind of the new push by the state government, the county, and the city of Salt Lake? Yeah, it's changed dramatic down there. Um, it's it's cleaned up a lot. Like a few years ago, there's probably nine nine hundred to a thousand people down there, and, and since they've done the Rio Grande and cleaned it up, uh, there's probably maybe 150 a handful of people down there now. Wow. So it's it's a dramatic change. It's they cleaned up a lot. Well, that's fantastic. And, you know, Randall, Odyssey House does some amazing things. Can you talk a little bit about Odyssey House and some of the programs that you have? We have, uh, on an average day, we treat 750 people. I was surprised. Does that surprise you? I mean, that's a huge number. We now have 17 different locations that we operate on. When we started this show, there were 13. I, I, we keep acquiring, we need more space, but what we really need is more social workers. I mean, we can get into that if you want, but one of the reasons that treatment centers can't expand right now is according to law, state law or regulations, whatever, you need so many social workers per number of clients. And social workers are in such demand right now that none of the treatment centers can expand because they can't find staff as opposed to there's plenty of potential clients but but if you don't have space and you don't have the right staff mix yeah. you, you can't expand so anyway we have the programs are we've talked a lot about the residential program when and he's in he's in one we have three separate residential programs but some of the other 
I wouldn't call them boutique programs, but, but we have an adolescent residential program. We have a mothers with kids program, a fathers with kids program, uh, where, where the, and they're residential. And so, for instance, if, if you have a child and you get busted for drugs or whatever, and your child's taken away and put in foster care, if you can get into our parents with kids program, we, we work through DCFS and we get the child back in with the parent while the parent's going through therapy, the child goes down to our child service uh, place every day, and and they they've suffered some trauma because they've been with a parent yeah. who does drugs. They get they get help with that while their parents are getting help. Then they come back at the end of every day, and they're together. They cook meals together, and they, they you know they sleep in you know in the same room. And, it's, it's and a wonderful program. It, it's program. really cool. It's you know and. And the motivation there, we have a really high success rate in that program because the, the, the mothers or the fathers know that if they screw up, their child is going to go away, possibly for good. And so there's this little creature here that's a heck of a motivation. For yeah, to, to it's, a, it's a, quite the motivation. And people, for, at the parent, parents program, they're just they're gung-ho to, to get their child back and, and get clean and sober and live a better life with their children. I really admire that program, the parents' program. I'm glad yeah. they have it. And then there's also the out, they, they have the outpatient program. I forgot to mention that. The Odyssey outpatient program. There's uh, I think the Odyssey outpatient. any chance you're going to get Randall's job? Because you seem to be yeah, better he, at this. He does. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, does. Yeah. No. No, no, okay. He, <laughs> but yeah, the, the outpatient program, there's quite a few people in it. Here's a... Uh, when you're when you're inpatient at the residential, you're you're when you voyage out, you go to outpatient in the sober living, and they're, they're, it's three to six months in the outpatient. So um, before you graduate, one of the things about Odyssey House, which is different from some of the for-profit um, addiction centers, and is that when you go to, we joke about the one in Malibu with the hot tubs and the chefs and all that. That's a 30 massage days. every day. Wouldn't you yeah. like that? Yeah. <laughs> it's 30 days, but you take many, many years to become an addict. You can't recover in 30 days. No. And with Odyssey House, there's no set time. It's when you are ready. Yeah, it's when you're ready. You, you yourself is how you make your program. If, you, if you're in there and you're willing to, to get yourself straight and clean, it, it moves along a lot quicker and smoothly. But if you're in there and you just have this attitude and you, you don't care... Some people take up to two years to, to complete the program because they're just not capable of doing it. They're not ready. So. And uh, the, the great thing about Odyssey House, and as Randall said, 750 people being treated right now. But think about, that's 1,500 parents. That's kids. That's family. That's friends. Those 750 people affect a lot of lives. Yeah. And if they're clean and sober with no drugs at the end, they can be very productive amazing member of society exactly and affecting people in a very positive manner yeah it's very affecting so right. not, not to mention saving money i mean you're talking yeah. you know I, i've seen estimates that for every dollar invested in treatment in the long run it will save between seven and twelve dollars uh to society uh and it, it, jail costs uh Arresting people, uh, people going to emergency rooms for with an overdose. I mean, it's a whole slew of things that cost society a lot of money. And when somebody gets out of a treatment program like ours, 
they generally go to transitional housing and they all always have to have some kind of job. Well, job means you're paying taxes. So, I mean, it's well, they as had close the, to sucking from society, you're giving back. They had the chairman of the Fed on 60 Minutes on Sunday, and he talked about one of the limiting factors in our economy, while we're never going to see 4 and 5% growth, is the number of people who are incarcerated. Right. Yeah, what kind of Dude, contribution that, are they making? Exactly, and it's, exactly. it's Dramont. So, if, again, we... Both Randall and I do this as our labor of love. We want to get back to the community. but We're not, we're not getting paid for this. We are not. Even though we're great talent. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're getting paid what we're worth, talent-wise. <laughs> but this is a situation, if you know someone who's having challenges, and we all do, this cuts across every demographic, race, creed, whatever. Oh, yeah. People, addiction is a disease. Mm-hmm. Many, The vast majority of people in the medical profession feel that. And, and it's not a moral decision. I, I keep, I hear that from people still. That, you know, okay, you made the decision to drink at, at the beginning or to do heroin at the beginning, but we didn't make the decisions to become alcoholics or heroin addicts, right? right? No. And, and, and it's a disease, as you say. It's not a moral failing. You know, so if you need to help someone that you're close to with that disease, the easiest thing is to call Odyssey House, and the number's at the bottom of the screen, and reach out. There are people who will give you some great advice. There are tons of options out there. And it's the type of call that you make, and you'll feel really good afterwards. And we should point out, you know, we, we take, we're in network for almost every major insurance uh, company, and we, uh, we accept Medicaid, uh, we have a lot of county funding, uh, and basically, if somebody needs to get in, they probably can. Uh, plus, we're the lowest—I mean, we're the lowest cost program out there. You know, our, I think our average—if you came in paying cash, which very few people do—I think it'd be around. I think it's about six thousand a month, and that includes. So you're living there, so that's three meals a day. You're living in a reasonably nice place it's not posh uh and you're getting and you're getting good heavy therapy uh and that's, that's seven days cool. a week seven days a week yeah and and if you check into i, th- I think the average in for-profit places averages anywhere between 20 and fifty thousand a month yeah it's outstanding you know uh, so that, that's well, a big how, difference you know randall's a businessman hot tubs are not cheap well hot no tubs and, and, and massages, i, I, I I'm being totally facetious because many, and I have my brother-in-law runs a couple facilities, and these are dedicated people as well. It's just, sure. it's a different, different approach. You know, our philosophy is uh, that probably the type of quarters you live in and the type of life you leave in, lead in Odyssey is closer to what the average person lives. Yeah. As opposed to going to a posh resort kind of place and having... 30 days or 60 days, and then going back to your life, which is not the same as it was in, in treatment. And, and so it's, it's a hard you know, change, transition to make and, and stay sober. Whereas if you can stay sober in our environment, then you go back to your normal life, it, it, it's a lot easier. I, I, I guess I'd call ours a more realistic approach to, to life. I yeah, Odyssey has a, a, 
a lot of um, treatment to help you get back out in the street on your own, uh, such as your uh, sneaky behaviors that you have when you're out there on the streets. You know, so, um, they help you work on your uh, to modify your behaviors in the correct way. So when you're ready to go out into society, you'll have those tools to work with. Sure, so and that'll make you a better employee and citizen. On all levels, yes. There's no, no better liar than an addict or an alcoholic, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, thank you so much for You're coming welcome. down. And uh, next time you come back on the show, Randall and I will be fully, we'll be in tie. Yeah, all but right. see, he'll come back next time with no tie. He'll say, those guys didn't wear a tie last right? night. You know, darn it. Well, we're going to make sure all the memos <laughs> go out. For Randall Carlisle, I'm Trip Mitchell. Thanks for watching. And again, if you have someone who's suffering from addiction, Give this number a call. Talk to the folks at Odyssey House. Please do. They will get you some good advice. Or go to our website at odysseyhouse.org. That's, Perfect. You know, and the number, which I have memorized now, even though it's on the bottom of the screen, is 801-322-3222. How's that? that? That's an easy number. That's the easy best number I can to remember. Please give them a call. <laughs> we want to thank Lee, our producer, Bill Francis with Comcast 17. Thanks to Randall. We've had a lot of fun, and, and again, it we like to show the other side. Addiction has a lot of negatives. You turn on the 6 o'clock news every night, you're going to see that. But when you have guests like we have here who are making an amazing difference, it makes them feel really good. The point yeah. is there is hope and there is recovery, and it's out there if you just go after We it. are recovery. That, that's our slogan, yeah. We are recovery. Thanks for watching. Have a Thank wonderful you. day.